How's everybody doing? Good, man. Wasn't worship awesome? My gosh. For a, for a full team to get up and play for 10 people is amazing to me. It's just like, wow. Turn in your Bibles. We're going to get started and dive into something here. Book of John, Gospel of John. Got that? I can get that for you. I don't mind. Gospel of John. I, I want to share something with you tonight that's just kind of been on my heart about just, just the passion of inviting. i got a little title up here, Invite to Ignite, and, and uh, our college students know that Ignite is our college ministry, but that isn't exactly what I meant on that. When I talk about invite, I mean inviting people to something so they can get lit up. And I want to tell you a little story. There was a guy named Carlos Cespedes. He was from Cuba. He was one of my best friends growing up all the way. I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, and growing up in Lubbock, he and I went to school together. He was a huge, good football player, and and I wasn't so huge. I wasn't such a great football player, but I, I tried to hang out as best I could, and Carlos and I became really good friends, and I, my freshman year, moved to another town, and Carlos continued through the Lubbock school system there playing football. Well, we graduated, life went on, we lost touch, basically, and then I ended up moving back to Lubbock so I could go to Texas Tech. Woo-hoo. Get your guns up. So I went to Texas Tech, and I ran back into Carlos. And Carlos started popping in every once in a while, and he showed up at my house one day, actually called me at my house. I was living in a little duplex by myself, just just going to school and doing what I could, and he calls me, and he says, Jimmy Pruitt. And I said, Carlos, man, it's good to hear from you. He said, you're not going to believe this, but I got saved. I said, saved from what? <laughs> he said, man, I got saved. I said, I, Jesus just came into my life. And he said, I want you to come because I'm getting baptized tonight at this church in Lubbock called Southcrest Baptist Church, the Southern Baptist. And, and, uh, I, and, and I sort of took the information down. This is like mid-afternoon. And I don't know if y'all ever did this pre-Jesus. I hope he didn't do it post-Jesus, but pre-Jesus. My attitude was, I'll, I'll tell him I'll come. There'll probably be a lot of people there. He won't notice if I don't show up. Because I had no intention of going to church, period. And so another friend of mine named Jerry had called. He was in a new band in town and wanted me to maybe come try out for the band. And it was a kind of a country rock band, and they were playing at a club. So... So Jerry called, so I thought, okay, I can go to church or I can go to a club. Church, club. Well, at the time, the club had a much stronger draw than church. So I fully intended to go see Jerry and his band. And uh, it's interesting now, they're still playing. It's funny, they've still got their band together and doing it. But but uh, thank the Lord I didn't go to the club that night. And so... I'm getting ready to go to the club. I did not go to church, did not go to the baptism. Carlos shows up on my porch. He's still wet. He's like, where were you? And I, I went into the million excuses per second moment. You know what I mean? I know none of you have ever done that. Well, actually, some of you have because I'll see you in the store and you just start sputtering stuff. And I'm like, I didn't realize you weren't there last month. So, you know, I mean, it's just we, we that's human nature. And so... So I, I started making up excuses. He said, he said, it's okay. You can come tonight. We're having a meeting afterwards, an afterglow. Uh, they call it prayer band. And you can come to that. And I was like, because oh, I thought I'd gotten out of it. So 
I ended up going that night, and that night my life got changed. I got rocked. It was about 20 or 30 college and high school students from South Crest Baptist Church. Had about six or seven acoustic guitars, and they were playing music that didn't sound like church music. So I was interested. I was like, wow, it doesn't sound typical. And long story short, that literally became a tipping point for my life. Everything changed after that. And that night, it turns out, the guy leading the, the group that night was a guy, another guy I had grown up with named Alan Lynch, who's now a pastor. And Alan was leading the group that night. Another guy, Jerry Pritchard, who I'd grown up with. And again, I'd, I'd moved to another town, so I'd, I'd missed a, a gap of about three and a half years with these guys. And here they all were. And we'd all grown up together in our younger years, and yet these guys had, had come to Christ, were living for Jesus, were disciples of Christ, and here they were. And so I got invited and then a little bit pressured to go to church, maybe manipulated a, t- a tad. But you know what? It changed my life forever. And so I want to talk to you about this thing about inviting. It's interesting George Barna, let me give you this statistic. George Barna, Barna Group, uh, research, 88% of Americans surveyed said they would attend a church service if invited. Okay, I'm going to read that again because it's almost unbelievable. 88% of Americans surveyed said they would attend a church service if invited. It begs a rhetorical statement, and it is this. Are we inviting anybody? Really? I know Tiffany is because she brought Carly tonight. It's good to have you, Carly. It's good to meet Abigail. Did I get that right? Abigail is here tonight for the first time. It's good to have you as well. 88% of Americans. See, we have this attitude, nobody wants to go to church. Church is antiquated. It's, it's, it's a guy up there ranting at you. It's music that's too loud or not loud enough or antiquated or whatever. We have these ideas about it, and yet people want to be where other people are. And you know what? Some people like to be where nice people are. You know, when I, I was talking to Pastor Rich about this. He's out of the room, so I can talk about him. Um, we were talking about... <laughs> I'll deny it if you report. So he said, we were talking about going to bars and clubs when we were young, and, and we both admitted the only reason we went was because we wanted to be around people because it was lonely being at home. It was lonely being by yourself. It, it was a, so it wasn't the draw to the club wasn't the alcohol. It wasn't the potential of hooking up. It was because we wanted to be around people. Because God has wired us innately for relationship. You're created for that. And so it's a basic human need, a need to belong. And so we, we, we try to connect, and we'll do it in a million different ways. We do it on Facebook. We do it on Twitter. We do it, I mean, all kinds of ways. But 88% of Americans said, yeah, I'd go to church if somebody just asked. But very few will just go. Very few will just go. So the problem isn't in those, we have this misnomer that everybody's going to reject us if we ask. Or another misnomer in Abilene is, well, everybody in Abilene goes to church. Most of them go to Beltway. I mean, that's just the, the misnomer. The, the mentality is, 
is everybody's already going to church. Let me just tell you something. No, no that's not the case. In 19, uh, oh no, back in 2002, right around the 2001, 2002, they did a study called the Probe Study here in Abilene. At the time, with a population of about 116,000 in Abilene proper, there was about 11,000 people in church on any given Sunday morning, which tells me that you can do the math yourself, but not everybody is going. Not everybody is connected. And so I want to talk to you about this thing called just invite to ignite. And, and what, I, what I mean by ignite is simply this. And, and Randall, if you'll put the picture of our coals up here, because I heard this when I was very young in the faith, and yet it has always stuck with me. Uh, Pastor Rich isn't here. He'd be excited about this picture, but uh, he's always talking about cooking with, by the way, it's a gas grill. But anyway, anyway, um, my dad cooked with coals. And I mean, I remember the time when they had to light them with like fuel, like gasoline and lighter fluid and stuff. And then they got fancy with these little heating elements. Remember the little lighters? You'd stick them in there. And then they had these cool buckets that you could put element. I mean, it just, there are all kinds of creative, amazing ways to do this. But what I remember about it, and I remember seeing it, is when you take that, that, that little can thing that sort of shaped it and got them all going. Then you'd take it off, they'd kind of spread out, and then you'd spread the coals out and you'd cook. But any of the coals that fell off the pile would almost immediately go out within just a few moments. And then you, with a pair of tongs or whatever, you'd scoot that coal or get it back on the pile, and immediately it'd light again. And then if another one fell off or it got off to the side, it would go cold almost immediately. Then you take that coal, put it back on the pile, it would come back to life. It would begin to burn again. And so the power was in the connectivity. The power was in the grouping. The power was when everything was connected, there was fire, there was heat. But when it was spread out and separated, then it went out. And that's what I'm talking about, this invite to ignite thing. Just an attitude of thinking, you know what? 88% of the people invited will come. The problem is we're not inviting and people are going out all over the place. There are Christians all over Abilene, Texas, who love Jesus, but are not walking with Jesus. Who love God, but haven't talked to him in a while. They have, gone, they have grown cold because they're separated and they're by themselves. I appreciate the tenacity of Carlos Cespedes. Because Carlos would not let me get out of going to church. Now, here's the thing I didn't tell you about is I was already a Christian, but I was not connected. I had gotten born again at the end of my senior year, moved to Lubbock, and had not connected to a church. And so I was alone. I was a coal that at one time had been alive, on fire, but had fallen off. And because I had fallen off, and remember this quote, never forget this. For every step away from the cross you take, there will be 10 people there to validate you. Let me say this again. For every step away from the cross that you take, there will be 10 people there to validate every step. Just as there is so great a cloud of witnesses, the book of Hebrews tells us, that's cheering us on and excited for us, there is also another cloud of witnesses 
that are cheering for you every step away from the cross that you take. And the farther away you get, the colder you get. You know what's so tragic about it is? Nine times out of ten, it's not intentional. We just get a little further away, and somebody validates us, and a little further away, and another friend validates us, and another, another step away, and another group embraces us. And before long, we're enjoying the embrace of this group instead of this group, and we grow cold. And then one day we wake up and go, what happened? What happened? We don't realize it's been a series of steps. Can I get an amen? So I want to talk to you about just this thing about inviting people. We have biblical precedent for this, and I want to get into the Word a little bit. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 1. You should already be there. I'm going to read some passages uh, starting in verse 29. It'll be on the screen in the NIV. I'm going to read it out of the NIV. Are you with me? Are you here? All right. John, chapter 1, verse 29 says this, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So this was right on the heels of Jesus being baptized, and some amazing things happened. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Verse 35, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Verse 39, and this is a key point, but we'll come back to it, but we're going to keep moving. I just want to highlight this for you. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said, heard John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, find and tell, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Listen to this in verse 46. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Sometimes in America we have that attitude. Can anything good come from a small town or from an unknown place, from an obscure community? Can anything good come from there? And the answer is absolutely yes. Amen? So he says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Argyle, can anything good come from Argyle? Okay. Can anything good come? And Nathaniel said, and then he says this, Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. 
How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. We got the supernatural working here. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I pray in this brief time that we have together that, Father, you would ignite something in us so that we could invite people, that we would begin to to stir ourselves and actually believe that we have something here amazing. So, Father, I pray you'd stir every heart, stir every heart, stir every heart, that, Father, in times like these in our nation, when it seems like the sky is falling, Lord, it is our moment to stand. It is our moment to stand up and be counted. It is our moment to shine. And so, Lord, I thank you that this is the church's greatest hour throughout our nation and throughout this world. So thank you, Father, for the troubling times. Your word says we're to count it all joy. So, Father, in these troubling times, thank you that all we have to do, all we have to do is, is live just and we stand out, heads above the rest of the world, Father. Not to be noticed for ourselves, but to glorify you. That's our passion and our heart. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. All right. Do we believe that what we have here at Grace Point is amazing enough to invite others to come? If we do, then we need to begin inviting. You know, I was sitting here. It's a Wednesday night. It's always a little subdued, laid back. And I'm looking up, and I see... I see I see heaven represented up here on the stage. I see white. I see Hispanic. I see African-American. I see Malaysian. Come on. For, come on for the Malaysian, Chinese. I mean, I see it up here and I go, my gosh, this is a miracle. Do you not get how amazing this is? That God in little old Nazareth, little old Abilene, has assembled nations together to praise him, to worship him, and to defy the odds in every way. 225 people here on Sunday morning, 45% African-American, 17 to 20% Hispanic, the rest other like me, I'm another. You know, I mean, it's, an, it's a miracle every time we show up in this place. Do you not think this is amazing? Do you not think it's a miracle? Do you not see? Sometimes you have to see with different eyes and, and take a step back and go, my goodness, this is not normal. My friend Billy Roddy, who visited here a few weeks ago, and he may have been here Sunday. We're going to do dinner with them on Saturday, and they're praying about coming and being members here. And he, I knew him 30-plus years ago in Lubbock, Texas, and we went to church together right when I began to grow in my faith as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old. And Billy was here, and he, he remarked, he said, It's amazing. He said, I, he said you... Your church may be the only multicultural church in Abilene. I said, well, we're not. I think there's, there's others, but definitely not to the degree. And he said, this is unheard of in West Texas. Now, he actually used to pastor a church here in Abilene. And so he knows Abilene. He knows this area. He's sitting on the back row with his wife, and in his mind he's going, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. When we had dinner together, that was what he said. He said, this is a miracle what you are doing. I said, yeah, we know. And we're not doing it. God is. 
I mean, you know, we're we're just showing up. We're trying to live holy and show up, and God shows up, and it's a miracle. It's so amazing, and it's so different, and it's so astounding. You need to understand. You need to grab hold of how amazing this is. You need to understand there are amazing things this church is doing, and this church is participating in. Do you know that in the last two and a half months, we've had roughly 20 people taken through full-blown deliverance, having every generational curse broken off their life, being set free from addictions, from behaviors, from past sins, and they are walking in total freedom. They're the ones smiling and clapping right now. Because when you're free, you're like, woohoo, it's a party. The kingdom's a party when you're free. It's not a party when you're not. It feels heavy like a ball and chain when you're not free. But when you're free, it's like, woohoo. It, it's fun to do life when you're free. Free is good. Amen? So, I mean, we're, we're seeing amazing things happen. And, and every week we're doing from two to three full-blown freedom sessions where people are getting completely free. And it's supernatural in nature. And it's miraculous. And I sit there going, I cannot believe I'm getting to watch this, participate in this, and, ab- and, and, and see people be set free from their past. Not only from their own personal past, but from generational past things. I'm watching it happen before my eyes. I'm going, oh, God, you're so amazing. Don't tell me God is not a supernatural God. I'm watching it every week. It's a miracle. Let me tell you another miracle that's happening. We're starting to have public schools call our ministry that's called the Life Enrichment Center. Many of you don't know about the LEC. The Life Enrichment Center was started a little over four years ago by Annette and Brian Mandel and myself. We collectively came together and we had this crazy idea that maybe God could use us to go into public schools and teach abstinence and purity from a faith-based perspective. Notice I said public schools. And from a faith-based perspective, speaking the word, declaring the word, but never quoting chapter and verse because, mind you, we're in public schools. But let me tell you something. The word is no more less powerful just because you don't quote chapter and verse. The word is the word, and the word works when you work the word wherever it is. So we don't have to go in there saying, the Bible says. We just go in there and say, say, let me tell you what's right, and here's how it works. Here's the value of relationships, valuing one another. Here's what matters. When you see yourself as you were meant to be, as the person you are. I mean, it's unbelievable. And we, uh, to date, this program, the Life Enrichment Center, which this church supports, listen to this, over 11,000 public school students have seen this program in Central Texas. Did you hear what I said? 11,000. I didn't say 10. 11,000 students in this area, all of our outlying communities and schools, we're getting calls right now. The, the month of October is booked, and we'll be going back into the schools. I'm going to go. I'm going to go tell my story. They don't know I'm a pastor and rising star. I'm just a guy. And it, for those, any of you that ever come and observe, you may be a little shocked because we are relevant we are real, raw, and relevant because we've got to tell it like it is. But let me tell you something. God shows up every time. Students, students approach us afterwards and go, are y'all Christians? Like, Maybe. Why? 
I mean, literally, we, because we even had a school one time ask us to, one teacher, and I noticed her, her shelves, this was over in Merkel, her shelves were lined with, you know, she had Bibles and all, and she said, she said, look, this is my classroom, and you can preach the gospel if you want to. And you know what we did? We said, no, ma'am, we will not violate the integrity of our program. We will not run the risk of getting a reputation because we, we, are, we have a strategy to impact students. And our, our commitment rate for students to commit to abstinence until marriage, and I'm talking about students that are already actively engaged in sexual activity, already engaged, over 80% anonymously commit. They don't even have to do this. No one would know the difference, but they commit in writing. Over 80% of those 11,000 students have committed to remain abstinent and pure until marriage. I think God ought to get a hand for that. Amen? That is what we're doing. You're a part of that, and you need to know that's happening. You need to know that we're baptizing people and that people are getting born again. You need to know that we got one of the most amazing children's ministers on the planet down there on the other end of this building. You need to know that what you're a part of is amazing. And when you begin to wrap your mind around what's amazing, you begin to go, you know what, this is so amazing, maybe somebody else should get the benefit of this. But something happens to a lot of us who've been around a while. We get comfortable. We're not mean. We're not bad people. We're not ugly. We just get comfortable. We just get comfortable. We get familiar, and we stop inviting. You know who invites the most people around here? New folk like Sean. New folk like Dan and Lisa. New folk who who are here, they're like, my gosh, this is amazing. People like Tiffany, brand new. Hey, you got to come check this out. This is amazing. But some of us that have been around here, and I'm kind of talking to home folk here tonight, those of us that have been around, it's, it's time to shake it up a little bit. It's time for you to realize what you have. Because oftentimes when we treat what we have as familiar and we take it for granted, it can be taken away. And it may not be that this moves. It may be that you move. And for every step away you take, Every step away you take, there'll be people there to validate you. Can I get an amen? Let's look in the scriptures for a second. I want to just uh, just give you a pattern. It's I just call it an invite to ignite progression. We see it in the scriptures. Jesus comes on the scene, and these who are becoming his disciples are, are excited. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And y'all have heard me say this. I get that wow thing going. Wow, whoa, man. It's so awesome, Ellen. Isn't it great? Every time I hug Ellen, how are you doing? I am blessed and highly favored. I said, yes. And there have been a couple times she hadn't said it, and I said, excuse me? Say it? Because that's what I love. It's a wow moment. And you know what? I wouldn't miss that hug for anything, Miss Helen. Thank you for just continuing to say that for years. You've, you've said that in my ear, and I'm like, yes. That's a wow. Who wouldn't want to be a part of a group of people that just love Jesus? And are determined to make a difference. Can I get an amen? All right, here, invite to ignite. I, I, I toyed with the wording a little bit, but look at John one thirty nine. 
they're talking about, hey, they're, they're talking about Jesus, and, and, and they're calling out to him, where are you staying? Verse 39, Jesus says, come, he replied, and you will see. I worded it like this, go, go and see. Because unless they were out going somewhere, somewhere, they would not have engaged Jesus. They went to see him. They went to engage him. Someone say engage. Engage is one of our four E's that we call it. So the first one, they, they engaged. They went out, and, and he says, come and see where I'm staying. But they had to go in order to see. Does that make sense? In other words, we've got to go. We've got to step into a store. I'm in Jason's Deli today. Love that place. Rocking a salad. And, I, and I'm looking around, and my, man, my mentality is, God, is there anybody here you want me to talk to? And when I don't get a clear word on who I'm supposed to talk to, I just start talking to folk. <laughs> Cashier's going to get it. The lady with the baby's going to get it that I was talking to. I mean, Roy walks in. I've already introduced myself to a family. I mean, it's, it's, the mentality is I, I've got to believe in this thing and believe that it's so amazing that it's good news to me. And anything that's good news to me, I've got to tell you. If it's good to me, I'm going to tell you. So anything that's good, I'm going to get excited about, and you're going to find some enthusiasm happening here. Let me tell you something. I've been here nine years, and this is still good to me. I still get excited about it. Why? Because whatever reason, God's allowed me to continue to see this with fresh eyes. It has not gotten familiar to me. So I come in here, and I go, this is amazing. Wow. Wowee! That's that's if it's really amazing. John one three. So they had to go see. They had to go. They had to go in order to see. And and he said. And it says that they hung out for with Jesus for a whole day. Can you imagine that? They're starting. It's starting to dawn on them that this may be the one we've been waiting for. And they get a whole day with him. Gosh, I cannot even imagine what that was like. But they had to go in order to see. You've got to go. You got to go. You got to be missional in your thinking. What that means is you got to be on mission. You mean, Pastor, when I go to Walmart, I should be on mission? Yes. <laughs> Please be on mission at Walmart. Hello. <laughs> Please be on mission at the mall. Annette's been stepping out. Annette's not. Annette's not like a real super like talkative, hanging out there kind of person. I mean, she's kind of reserved, and that's just the way she's wired. Unless. Unless she's talking to me, and then it's like, get your act together. I mean, you know, she can throw down with me. But, but when we're out and about, and what I've been noticing is she's starting to engage people. She's getting this E thing. She's starting to engage people and talk to people. And I'll be standing there, and she's shocking me. because she'll, she'll go, how's your day going? I'm like, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on? She's starting, what's happening? Well, she knows this is amazing. She's reaching out. She's reaching out. The gospel is amazing, and she knows it, so she's reaching out. Freedom is amazing, so she's reaching out. It's because when you get good news, you can't sit on it. So if you're sitting on your blessed assurance, let me tell you what's happening. You don't believe this is good news. Can we just be straight? When's the last time you invited somebody? When's the last time you pulled a Carlos Cespedes on somebody? Showed up after he didn't even dry off to come get me for church. I mean, he was still dripping wet. I'm like, did you just like, he said, man, I jumped in my car and drove right over here. 
because God had put me on his heart and he's like, man, you're not getting away. I'm like, do you need a towel? He was still wet. He went, he went, he went, he went. He saw me. He's like, man, I'm not letting you go. That's somebody who has some good news that he wants to do something about. Some of us forgot. He didn't do it on purpose. But you know what? Tonight's a night to shift things. Can I get an amen? Something needs to change. Amen? Here's the second one. All right, we'll go to um, John 141. Find and tell. Love this. The first thing Andrew did, look what it says. The first thing. Someone say first thing. Man, when he got good news, he did something. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. The first thing he did was find and tell. See, when you get good news, you got to go find somebody and you got to tell them about it. I don't care what kind of good news it is. When, when uh, Robbie Benningfield got her new car, she came over here, she hunted me down in the halls and said, Pastor Jimmy, or she said, Pastor Jimmy, <laughs> she said, you got to come see my new car. She said, it smells new. And I said, well, let's go look at it. So we went out. It was 106 degrees. We went out there, stood in the parking lot in 106 degrees, opened it up, new car smell wafting out of there. Let me tell you something. That was good news to her, and she wanted to share it with somebody. So she found me. Then she went and found Pastor Rich. Then she went and found Alan. Then she went and found, I mean, she was just like excited about it. Why? Because it was good news. She was excited. And when you have good news, you can't contain it. You just want to do, you just got to tell somebody. Look what they, Andrew's so fired up. I think we've found the real deal. He goes and finds his brother. He finds his brother. That means, that means he had to find him. He had to hunt him. He had to put some effort into it. He had to go find him. Carlos didn't know if I was there. He shows up on my doorstep. I was, I was getting ready to roll. He came and found me. Where were you, man? Come on. This was awesome. I got baptized. You said you'd be there. That night, because he didn't let up on me, changed my life. Changed everything. Because that night I got to hear the testimony of a Texas Tech baseball player who had wrapped his pickup around a telephone pole because he was drunk. And they said he'd never walk again. He barely did. I mean, it's horrible what happened to this guy. And he gave his testimony that night that God spared his life so he could, he could share the gospel of Christ. The guy could barely walk. And he told his doctors he would run. Uh, he would run around a track again, and they all said, no way. And he did. He ran around a track, and that was part of his testimony. Uh, we wouldn't call it running, but let me tell you something. When you've been laid up in a pickup with gasoline pouring on you all night, and you think you're going to die any second, and you make it around a track, Hey, man, he might as well have ran the Boston Marathon. Amen? Amen? That impacted me, still impacts me. So the first thing Andrew did was go find it. When it's really good news, you'll go find somebody. You've got to invite people so we can ignite them. Because there are people all over, all over the city that are growing cold, and they need to be invited. And guess what? 88% of them, that's a pretty good percentage, don't you think? That means almost 9 out of 10 that you ask will come. In Abilene, they'll say, well, I'll go to another church or I'm involved there. Great. That's awesome. Keep, I hope you're making a hand there. 
Amen? All right, next one. I got another verse. Actually, there's a couple on that one. Look at the next verse. Philip found Nathaniel. So we got brothers running around finding people. We got people going after them. He found them and told them, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. What is that? That's good news. That means gospel. The word gospel means good news. We found the one Moses wrote out in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, the last one is verse uh, 146, come and see. Come and see. Nazareth, I love that. Nazareth, Merkel, Potosi, Post, that's where I went to high school. Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asks. Holly. Rising star. Come and see. He's like, look, just, just come and see for yourself. Not all of us are ready to give the four spiritual laws, but everybody can invite. And when you really believe in something, you'll invite. And let me just, let me just make you a, a commitment. I've been talking to my staff about this. I commit to you. Just listen to me. I want everybody here to listen to me. I commit to you to be wise on Sunday mornings. Now, Wednesday nights, Sammy's going to have a moment, and he may say, hey, let's pray in our prayer language. That's not going to happen on Sunday mornings. Oh, but you're quenching the spirit. No, we're creating a safe atmosphere so that people who are, as the Bible calls in Corinthians, uninformed can come in and it's safe for them. We're not here to freak anybody out, okay? You can go to town in your shower, in your car, in your life group, in your prayer group. I mean, you can go to town under your breath, but let me tell you something. We've got to create an atmosphere that's inviting for people and where people can come in and, they're, oh, and it's okay, because we, we claim that we're, we're diverse, and the diversity issue doesn't have any. It, it has some to do with our skin color, but it has just as much to do with our worship style, with our spiritual level of engagement. And let me tell you something. We should never down another person who maybe doesn't understand deliverance, maybe has never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe they've never spoken in a prayer language or tongues. Maybe they've never prophesied. Maybe they've never had a word of knowledge that they know of. But let me tell you something. That doesn't make them second class or any less than anybody else. And we've got to have a diversity attitude that says, all are welcome here. Now, Wednesday nights, we design Wednesday nights by design to be more free, more open. You come on Wednesday night, Carly, you might get anything. You never know. That's just the way Wednesday night is because we know most of the people typically are going to be home folk, and we, we, we understand that. So it's a more informed atmosphere. But Sunday morning, my commitment to you is I'll keep it safe for you so you can bring people who need to hear the gospel uncluttered. Because if we can get them on the bus, the atmosphere, the ethos, the environment of the bus, it's, it's pretty contagious once you're on the bus. It's like being on a bus and whoever sneezes up front, you're going to eventually get it. I mean, you just get, you're going to catch it. It's coming your way. You're a captive audience. You're going to breathe that air. And let me tell you something. We've got to be wise in the way we reach people and create an environment where all are welcome.
That's my commitment to you. Amen? So come and see. Invite. Invite. Come and see. I am so glad, Carlos. He, he, he came to me. He came to me and said, come on, let's go. Let's go. You know what he also did? He didn't let me take my own car. Because he knew I'd be looking for a quick escape. So we rode together. He was dripping all over his seats. And we rode together to prayer band that night. And my life was changed. That was 30 years ago. I've never been the same. Because he invited. Amen? Let's all stand together.